Um, by the way, it's Communion Sunday, and um, I know sometimes maybe we come in, we're talking to folks we don't realize, but it is, um, uh, when we say self-serve, in other words, we, want, we just want you to pick yours up instead of a whole bunch of people touching a whole bunch of cups. We believe we're protected, but we're just being wise. Um, and, um, you know, we've, we started end of last year saying that there is a, uh, a curse to be resisted by faith and there's a blessing to be received by faith. It's on our bulletin board back there. It's kind of been the theme. Amen. And um, so if you've been resisting the curse of coronavirus, amen, by faith, don't let, don't let up. Amen. Um, I think that's one of the things that we're seeing right now is that a lot of people said, oh, this thing's over. You know, they're opening stuff back up. And, and um, uh, now more than ever, we need to be, amen, standing on our faith, standing on the Word of God, Psalm 91. Ephesians 6, amen, and other verses. So uh, we're protected, amen, we're blessed, and, um, and so we're thankful for that, praise God. All right. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll begin at verse number 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 23. I, I'm actually going to step away from the things that we've been studying together on Sunday morning, and I'm going to talk to you this morning on the subject of communion. In other words, I, we're going to take of communion, but I really felt led of the Holy Spirit this week um, uh, to talk to you about it, and, and, um, and so that's what we're going to do, praise God. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let's begin at verse number 23. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke bread and he said, Take, eat of this, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, there's something as we begin that is, I think, really significant here that we need to point out. Because if, if you have a Bible like mine that, that puts the letters, uh, that puts the words of Jesus in the red letters, uh, or puts it in red, then this is one of those unique places that you see other than the four Gospels uh, where the words of Jesus are written in red. Because these were the words of Jesus. If you go to the Gospels, um, you'll see that this is pretty much exactly, uh, it varies slightly from gospel writer to gospel writer, but, but basically verbatim uh, to what Jesus told the disciples when he instituted the Lord's Supper, when he, um, at the Passover meal there, together with his disciples in Jerusalem, um, these are the words that Jesus said to them. Now, we're going to take a minute here and go back and see uh, how Jesus broke script, so to speak, from how the Passover meal was normally handled and served, okay? Uh, because again, Jesus is our Passover. If I could just cut to the, to the chase this morning, um, all of those uh, lambs that were killed, all of that blood that was placed you know, over the doorpost and, and all those things, all of that was uh, you know, pointing to Jesus. All of that was was uh, saying, uh, you know, that it would one day be fulfilled in the Son of God. And so now Jesus is there with his disciples eating that Passover meal. And 
and, and he is the fulfillment of it. And so he uh, handled it differently than how it would have normally been presented. Uh, for that matter, different from how it was being presented because families all over Jerusalem that evening uh, were participating in the same meal, right? Now, why do I point that out to you? Well, because all these years later, Paul writes to the Corinthians um, concerning the Lord's Supper. And notice that he says, let me go back up, uh, verse number 23, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Now, I don't have slides for this, but I want to go over, you can turn with me if you'd like to, to the book of Galatians. Just hold your hand there in, in uh, 1 Corinthians and, and go over with me to the book of Galatians. And um, Galatians chapter 1 and verse number 11. Galatians chapter 1, verse number 11. It says this, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So Judaism, if, you, if that's a new word to you, he's talking about practicing the Jewish religion. He's talking about um, you know, the, those Old Testament customs and rituals. So Paul would have been an expert on all of those customs and rituals, but especially one of the, if not the most important custom and ritual tradition uh, commanded in the Old Testament, which would have been the Passover. So this was something that he knew and understood as far as how Father God instructed for it to be carried out, what it was meant to accomplish, and why he was commanded and other Jewish men and women were commanded to, to practice this, to celebrate this meal, eat this meal um, on an annual basis. All right. But notice now, and, and this is where I guess the key point I want you to see before we go any further, is that Paul is saying the gospel, the message that he preached to the church, the, the, the message that he preached you know, all, all over Asia Minor, all, all over you know, that, that, that part of the world, that he was not taught that gospel by a human being. If you remember, the Apostle Paul, formerly known as the Pharisee among Pharisees named Saul, he set out to destroy, he thought Christians were wrong. He thought Jesus was a fraud. He thought the followers and disciples of Jesus who were continuing to preach in Jesus' name and, and assemble in Jesus' name, he, he viewed them as a threat to, um, to God and, and, and to what God was doing in the earth and and he was so committed to, to, to the Jewish traditions and, and these things that he set out to silence Christians. He actually held the coats of people who stoned Stephen, the first martyr. And he's on his, uh, on his way to Damascus with warrants to arrest other Christians when the Lord Jesus appears to him. And, and you probably know the story, but anyway, he was, he was blinded, physically blinded and all of that. Um, he, uh, Ananias, he went to Ananias's. Uh, uh, Ananias rather came and ministered to him. He received his sight. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and so then Paul became one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, uh, weapon against the powers of darkness that's, that's ever lived. 
But what he's saying is that after he had this experience on the road to Damascus, that he didn't go uh, to Jerusalem, uh, you know, to uh, you know the Simon Peter School of Theology. Um, he didn't go and 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 sit at the feet of the disciples that had heard all these things from Jesus and received them from Jesus. But instead, let's keep reading here. But when it pleased God, verse fifteen, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. Here it is. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So the key part here is in verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 12, I didn't receive it from man, nor as I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right? Now, verse 18, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God, I do not lie. Because there's a lot of folks that are saying, Oh, surely you got some of this from Peter. Surely James told you some of these things. Surely, you know, I mean, how could you quote verbatim what the Lord Jesus said on one of the most important nights of his life, right? if somebody who was there as an eyewitness didn't tell you. But that's what he's saying here. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm not lying to you. No man told me these things. The Lord Jesus told me these things. So when he says to the church at Corinth um, that I received these things from the Lord, right? It was the Lord who told him what he said on that night that he was betrayed and he celebrated the Passover for the last time with his disciples. Am I the only one that thinks that's an amazing thing here? Now, let me tell you what else that does. That, that, that lends, not that I think we need that here, but it lends so much credibility to all the things that the Holy Spirit revealed to Paul and through Paul to the church. All right, now, let's, let's keep reading, then we'll get back to our subject. Verse 21, Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the church of Judea, which were in Christ, but... They were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who are of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Now, I may be exaggerating when I say this, but... I, I call this the Apostle Paul's John the Baptist moment. You remember, like, John the Baptist was such a forceful and powerful and bold preacher, but now he's, a, he's arrested and, and he's, he's days away from being beheaded, and, and, and he sends uh, messengers to Jesus and says, you know, John the Baptist has sent us. He wants to know if you really are the Christ or if there's, an, if, if, if there's someone else, you know, if the Christ is coming at a later date. And of course, Jesus said, you go tell John, this is what's happening. The, the poor are having the gospel preached to them, the blind are seeing, so forth and so on. All right. So notice now, Paul was converted, baptized in the Holy Spirit, went into Arabia, was taught by the Holy Spirit. He went to Holy Ghost University. He was taught these things. Jesus was revealed to him. The gospel was, was revealed to him. He then goes and preaches that for three years, goes to Jerusalem expecting to meet with all the head honchos there, and really none, they're all out preaching. None of, none of them are there. So he goes about on his way doing all that he's done. For 14 years, he preaches these things 
and, and teaches the churches these things, then he gets this moment like, I'm going to go and have a private meeting and I'm going to tell them what I've been preaching to make sure that what I'm doing is not in vain. In other words, he began to question himself. He began to question like, well, you know, maybe I, I do need to get this confirmed. Maybe I do need to make sure what I'm telling them is correct. And of course, when he confirmed it with them, it, it was all correct. I believe he even confirmed. We don't have Bible on this, so you don't, you don't have to believe this to go to heaven, but I believe he literally said, well, look, the Holy Spirit told me that Jesus said this on, the, on, the, on that last supper night. Um, is, is this what he said? That's exactly what he said. I was there. I heard him say it. I can just hear Peter saying, you mean the Holy Spirit told you that? That's exactly what he said. I was there. I heard it when he said it. All right. So notice, back to 1 Corinthians. Go back to 1 Corinthians with me now. Chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord. Jesus told him this. That which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night, in other words, I told you what the Lord told me, not what Peter told me, not, not what John told me, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, in, in this whole passage, that last verse and the last phrase in that last verse that we just looked at to me, it's the one that kind of makes you scratch his head. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. All right? Well, let's explain that. Go with me now to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 12. Amen. Exodus, the 12th chapter. We've got a few more minutes, so I'm going to leave us plenty of time to, to partake of communion together. But let's go uh, to Exodus chapter 12. I don't think I've told you uh, how good you look this morning. It's so good to see you here. I appreciate you being here. Amen. I know we've still got a lot of brothers and sisters that are not comfortable coming into groups and crowds because of, you know, either health conditions they have or health conditions close members of their family have. And listen, we understand that. We, we're praying with you, believing with you. Amen. But I'm so thankful you're here this morning. I'm thankful for you. Praise God. All right. Exodus chapter 12. Um, I, we could just about read this whole chapter, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but let's go through... Uh, Let's begin at verse number 1. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, um, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Now, there's a lot that's packed into the Lord's Supper, Okay. And so I'm not going to have time to comment on all of these things, but I think it's significant that, that, that the Lord comes to Moses and says, all right, um, <laughs> from now on, this is the first month, right? What is, that, what is that, the significance of that? What is this, the symbolism of that? This is a new beginning. Everything's about to start new right here, right now um, with, with what I'm about to tell you, all right? And so again, um, remember, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of this for us, okay? We didn't live as slaves in Egypt, but we did live as, as slaves in sin, okay? Are you hearing me, right? 
And so we didn't have to put uh, blood on the physical doorpost of our home, the blood of an animal, right? But if you've been born again, the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. So all, all of these things, when I, when I said earlier, they're, they're a giant index finger pointing forward to Jesus. They're, they're pointing forward to Jesus, and they're pointing forward to the day in which we live, the covenant in which we now you know, experience our relationship uh, with God uh, because of, right? Um, so he says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Again, there's so much low-hanging preaching fruit here. A lamb for a household, amen? What am I telling you? I'm telling you, if you still believe in God for members of your household, don't stop believing God for members of your household. When Father saved you, He wasn't just interested in saving you, He was interested in saving your entire house. And we see this again in the book of Acts, right? Uh, where Cornelius and his household was saved, where the jailer and his household was saved. Amen. So, a lamb for a household. Let's keep going. Verse 4. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Again, according to each man's need. According to each man's need. In the same way, that lamb was based upon need. The true lamb of God, amen, is, uh, has met every need that we will ever have, right? For your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You take it from the sheep or from the goats. And we know that Jesus was the spotless lamb, right? He was the lamb of God without sin, without blemish. Keep reading. Verse 6, Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Now, this is particularly interesting here, right? Because these folks were, were uh, herders. They, was, they had lots of animals, lots of, of livestock. But notice that in this particular situation, the commandment was for them to go and select one without blemish, a young one without blemish, and to bring it into their home for four days. To bring it into their home for four days, okay? Now let me tell you what I believe this is about. Are you with me? I'll tell you what I believe this is about. I believe this is about them becoming fond of that animal, right? Uh, my uh, nephew and his wife, um, they have a... Uh, a, a pet pig, okay, a, a, a little pot belly. I say little, it's gotten pretty big, amen. It's a pot belly pig. Um, her name is Patsy Swine, amen. And, and Patsy is like one of their puppies to them. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? Now, they eat bacon, you, you follow what I'm saying, but they will never eat bacon from Patsy Swine. They'll never eat her bacon. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here, right? Because she has, she has become uh, attached to them. So I want you to imagine now, they go and they get this precious little lamb, they bring it into the house, the children are, oh, you know, they're so excited about it, right? They probably name the thing, kids, you know how kids are, right? Mommy, can we call it whatever, you know, fluffy or, you know, they, they, these kinds of things. And, and so that house, that lamb stays in their house with them for four days, and then twilight of the fourth day, they kill the thing. You, you, follow, you follow what I'm saying here, right? So the, the point being, and, and, and this, is, this is an important point to what Paul is teaching the Corinthians. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, it needs to mean something to us. When we partake of the Lord's Supper, it doesn't just need to be some casual thing that we do. 
you know, slam down a, a, a quick cup of juice and throw away from our mouth so we can, you know, get to the race or the NFL game or whatever it is. He's saying that, that this is something that should mean something to us. It should have some sort of emotional uh, connection, uh, attachment, fondness, um, uh, you know, involved in it uh, when we do it, all right? All right, and they shall take some of the blood, after they kill it at twilight, they shall take some of the blood, put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on it that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. All right, so, um, you know, I wouldn't want Matt to stand in the pulpit and talk about anybody I dated in the past. And so, um, you know, I'm not going to do that to him. But let's just say a long time ago he had a girlfriend, long before he met the love of his life and the and the light of his world, you know, Vanessa, okay? And, um, and this, this particular family, their dad had a goat, and he bought it for the purpose of barbecuing it, and the family got attached to it, and, um, and then, of course, the 4th of July, the dad slaughtered the goat and barbecued the goat, and the only two people at that, uh, you know, 4th of July party that ate any meat was the dad and my brother, right? Everybody else was crying, can't believe he killed the goat, right? Can't believe, you know, he did all that, right? And so my silly brother, they, they, they asked him, uh, the dad asked him, to say, well, Matt, what do you think? And he says, uh, it's not bad like that. And, um, and, of course, his girlfriend got up and left the table. You know what I'm saying? He just got mad, right? So anyway, all right. So, you, I mean, think about this now. They've gotten attached to this goat. Now they've killed it, and they're eating it. They're eating the thing, right? This is... This is like, I'm sure there was folks who were going, I'm not going to eat that. You know, go get one of them that we, you know, haven't looked into its brown eyes, glassy brown eyes before we slit its throat, right? Um, but no, they ate it, okay? And then in, in addition to eating it, they took the blood from it and they put it on the two doorposts that would be either side, right and left, and the lintel over the top of the door. Um, then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it now i'm going to just hit a few verses let's go to verse 14 god speaking so this day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the lord throughout your generations you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance All right so if father god is saying that this is something that shall be done and it, and it shall be kept as an everlasting ordinance, this is going to be one of those things that, that went from Old Testament to New Testament. He didn't say until the fulfillment of this ordinance comes in Jesus, and then you cast this aside. He's saying it shall be kept for an everlasting ordinance. So the point being this morning, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we, we are continuing the thing that started in Egypt all those generations ago. Let's go to verse 17. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies, and one translation of armies is hosts, uh, that's all the people, not just the ones that serve in the military, out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. Let's go now to verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb and you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in blood uh, that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. 
For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons, there's that word again, forever. And it will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you will keep this service. In other words, he's saying this, this is for now, it's, it's for the journey to the land, and it's once you get into the land. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel when Egypt, rather, when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads in worship. Then the children of Israel went away and did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Okay, now, notice that not only were they commanded to do this, they were commanded to do this on a regular basis, an annual basis, and they were uh, commanded to do it and tell the story to their children. The Passover wasn't just um, a, a, a meal that they ate that was different from the ones they had every other night of the year, but this was a special meal, and it was meant to... Uh, uh, be an opportunity for one generation to explain to the younger generation what this meant. So the idea is, you know, the, the chain would not be broken so that those who actually were there in Egypt at the first one would have continued to pass this down uh, to each generation, uh, ultimately until it, it, it got to me and you. Amen. All right? You're seeing this. So... Let's go back then in our minds, 1 Corinthians. What did he say? As often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. In other words, this meal tells a story. Are you following me? The Old Testament version of it told a story. Just as the New Testament version tells a similar story, but one that has now changed because of what it means to us as born-again believers. Okay, just a few more minutes and then we'll call the praise team back up. All right, so this was the meal. This was the celebration um, that, that Jesus and his disciples were, you know, when they all assembled in that upper room, on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, on the night that the, that the true and eternal Lamb of God was going to be handed over to the Romans and, 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 and ultimately crucified as, as the spotless Lamb of God, right? Um, on that same night, Passover, Jesus assembles His disciples together um, to enjoy the meal that we just looked at the origin of in the book of Exodus, all right? So let's go to Luke chapter 22 in verse number 14. Luke 22 and 14. All right. So it says, When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
In other words, to say this was something Jesus was looking forward to, this, this last meal with his disciples, you know, in other words, the way this is structured in the original language, with fervent desire I have desired, this was, this was something that Jesus, um, it, let, let's say it this way, he had, he had this date circled on his calendar for a long time, okay? I believe he had that Passover circled on his calendar before he ever left heaven. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Um, as a matter of fact, you could even say that he had that date circled before Adam and Eve were ever created because the Bible says he was the Lamb of God slain from before the foundations of the world. So all of those, you know, generations, all of those, you know, thousands of years that they had celebrated the Passover, right? There was coming a Passover when the true Passover lamb was going to eat that meal with his disciples. And so, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. All right, now, remember where we began with this. The apostle Paul said that what he delivered to the Corinthians about the Lord's Supper, he did not receive it from another human being, but he received it from the Lord himself, all the way down to exactly what it was that Jesus said on the night that he served that, that meal to his disciples. Right? Now, there's one thing here, though, that is, um, I think, overlooked by a lot of people. We see the cup and we see the bread, but for the first time in all of these men's lives, they have sat down to a Passover meal and there is no lamb on the table. There's no... <laughs> I, I'm, I, I can only imagine, you know, how they, the disciples were prone to whispering about things, you know. And I'm sure they're sitting down like, are you supposed to bring the lamb? No, I was to go find the colt, right? I was, I'm the one that found the, you know, it's like, well, who was supposed to get the lamb? You know, so they're, I mean, this is like, you don't understand the, the faux pas here to sit down at a Passover meal and there's no lamb on the table, right? But of course, what, why is there no lamb on the table? The lamb is serving the table, right? There's no lamb there because Jesus, again, is that lamb. Now, a few last things and then we're going to partake, okay? And, and this is one of the things that as I went back into the book of Leviticus, um, there was Jesus has become this final sacrifice and he is saying to his disciples and he is saying to you and me this morning to take it and eat it to take it and eat it. Anybody recall who was allowed to eat the sacrifices in the Old Testament? Only the priests. 
Only the priest, right? And of course, we see later in the New Testament where the Bible identifies you and me now as priests unto our God. So he's saying, again, this is hidden to a lot of people. A lot of people don't realize this. When Jesus is saying to them, take this and eat this, right? He's, he's identifying them as being worthy to eat it, and the only ones worthy to eat it are the priests in his new kingdom. Amen. Now, we also see this idea of the outward man versus the inward man. And this is the part, I think, that, that we really, really need to, to, to focus in on this morning, is that the old system that Jesus came to fulfill it was all external. It was all outward. It was door on a, you know, blood on a physical doorpost and lintel. They took the hyssop branch, dipped it in the, in the blood, and we see this like when they, when they uh, ratified that law code under Moses, that Moses dipped that in a laver of blood, and he flung that blood on the people. But Jesus didn't dip his fingers in the cup and splash it on the disciples. He handed them the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Don't, don't splash it on one another, but drink from it, all of you. Again, he's saying that what he's coming to do for us is, is not something from the outside to the inside, but something from the inside to the outside. Okay? Now, let's... Um, Let's go back now, praise God. So verse 25, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you shall proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So like the Old Testament, the meal tells a story. The meal tells a story. The, the, the meal is not just a, a piece of bread and a, and a, and a serving of juice. It, it, is, it is speaking of something and symbolizing something far more eternal and far more profound. So he says in light of this in verse 27, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. That word many sleep there literally means many have died prematurely. Okay? Now, I want to deal with this last part, and then we'll take communion together, all right? A lot of you know my story. I was in church nine months before I was born, and um, you know, we obviously, you know, I was born again at an early age and have partaken of communion uh, many, many, many times. And um, I think there's a, a, a very shallow understanding of the verses that I just read to you. Uh, as a matter of fact, there, there were some pastors that I had over the course of my lifetime that would almost have you too scared to take communion. You know, they're like, you know, just hammer you. Um, if, you if you made any mistakes, if you this, if you that, you better not, you better not, you know. And uh, boy, they pull out Ananias and Sapphira, you know, and you know, on that and stuff, you know. And so they're almost like, you'd just almost be in a, in a knot 
you know, almost like afraid, um, not the fear of the Lord, not the respect, but, but afraid to partake of communion. Um, my brother, sister, that's, that's not exactly what he's saying here. Okay. Again, to drink the cup or to eat the bread in an unworthy manner, it, it literally means to take it lightly, to not pause for a moment and recall the story, to not pause for a moment and really connect in your heart and mind with what that bread and that cup represents. And that this, like the Old Testament version of it, is meant to communicate something, not just to us, but to the younger generation, to the children among us, for us to explain these things and for us to you know, recognize the, the tremendous price that was paid uh, for us by Jesus. I think it's the amplified version when it says, do it in remembrance of me. Jesus said, every, every time you eat this meal, to, to think favorably of him, to think fondly of him. Um, and certainly that's, that's gratitude. If it's, if it's nothing, it's gratitude. But I think it's even more than just with a grateful heart. It's, it's with, um, you know, that, that deep sense of awe. Um, think for a moment what that broken piece of bread represents and then think what the body broken for you represents. It represents the eternal love that your Father has for you. And so to eat or drink in an unworthy manner, he's not talking about, you know, you said some bad words this week so you shouldn't take communion. Or you broke the speed limit coming to church, so you know we'll catch you on the flip side next time. You know. It's not what he's saying here. He's saying that we should really ponder to connect internally with what he's done for us. Now you say, well, so so what is this part then about? For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many have died prematurely. What you know is, is that speaking of the judgment of God? Because you 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 no no. It, how is it that we're healed? How is it that we're made strong? How is it that we're delivered um, from the strategies of the enemy that try to end our lives, right? It's because of the shed blood of Jesus. In other words, we may not, and, and listen, the Bible says it's often as you do this. You know, if, if there's one thing that, that um, I never want you to think because we do it once a month is to think that you can only do communion once a month. He says as often as you do it. In other words, you can take communion every, you can take communion three times a day, Right? But don't let familiarity breed contempt. Don't let, because you, you do it often, it just be you know, something you pop in your mouth real quick and go on. The idea behind it is this, this should be a, a time of remembering. It should be a time of understanding. It should be a time of, of internal connection. It should be a time emotional, right? Um, our beautiful Savior, right? He died for us. This is a serious thing. This is, this is a grave thing. And, and for us to understand that and connect with that, amen. So I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to come back up if they would, please. Thank you, Jesus.